0: Owners say their business has suffered over the past six months due to record high inflation. <laughs> Russian President Vladimir Putin has launched a major military operation against Ukraine. Loud explosions have been now heard in Ukraine. We are on the precipice of a global food crisis. Around the globe, we've weaponized food. It's- rush hour the subway stopped just behind us here the gunman suddenly putting on a gas mask unleashing a smoke canister and began firing Ten- in so many ways it does feel like the world has just gone mad and as Christians we have to constantly wrestle with this question of are we living in the end times I think every generation has wondered that in fact in Matthew chapter 24 the disciples came to Jesus And they wanted to know too, when are you going to return and what'll be the signs of the end of the age? Well, Jesus said, look, you're never gonna know the answer to when. There's a lot of people that waste a lot of time trying to figure out when Christ will return, when the world will end. And Jesus said, he doesn't even know. So there's no way that we'll know if Jesus doesn't know. But Jesus said, there are several things that you'll see. There are several signs that you'll see in the world. And several of them are fascinating because we see them all happening in our generation. In fact, he said there will be many false prophets. They'll come and say, I am the Messiah. That word Messiah just simply means anointed. There'll be a lot of preachers and teachers that say, I'm anointed. And they'll lead people astray. Then, of course, it says that there'll be wars and rumors of wars. We know that's happening all over the world. But then it says nation will rise against nation." That's fascinating because that word nation is literally the Greek word ethnos or ethnicity. So what it's saying is that there'll be racial tension in the world. Well, obviously we see that even in our own country. And then he says kingdom will rise against kingdom. Well, that's our modern day governments, that there'll be wars. There'll be countries against other countries. And we can see that all across the worldwide landscape today. And then he says that there'll be famines, that there'll be people without food, and that there'll be pestilence, which literally is plagues, that there'll be diseases that hit the human population and wipe out people. And, And then he said that there'll be earthquakes. And of course, we see that happening in the world as well. And he said, when you start to see all of these things, that it's the beginning of the birth pains. In other words, when all those events are taking place, it'll be a sign that you're at the beginning of the end. Which I would say that we're definitely at least at the beginning of the end times in scripture. The thing that breaks my heart is verse 12. It says that there'll be an increase in wickedness. And because of this increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. So what he's saying is that there'll be a lot of believers that actually fall away from their faith. We see that happening even during the coronavirus. And then we see this movement in the body of Christ of people embracing wickedness and saying that God's okay with it. And so there'll be this great falling away. And again, we see all of those things coming to pass. But then the encouraging thing is that he says, the gospel will be preached to every ethnicity, to every single different people group in every language. And then he said, when that happens, the end will come. And so that's one of the reasons why we direct our missions giving to the 1040 window. That's that window, uh, latitude and longitude of the earth where we have unreached people groups. And we're so thankful for technology that makes it so much easier to take the message of the gospel to people who have never heard before. And so as a church, we're even a part of speeding the return of Christ to make sure that every single people group and every single language hears. So then what's fascinating about Matthew chapter 24 is Jesus concludes this thought by validating our study of the book of Daniel. Daniel is both a historical book and a prophetic book, which means the first six chapters that we've been studying over the last several weeks have lots of stories that are about history that we can glean from and learn lessons from. But then the last six chapters, chapters 7 through 12, are all prophetic, which means that Daniel had visions about what would happen in the future, things that had not yet been fulfilled. And Jesus validates Daniel as a prophet by saying it was prophesied through Daniel and then he talks about that phrase that we'll look at in the book of Daniel called the abomination that causes desolation. Today, we're going to talk about what Jesus was referencing and what Daniel was talking about, the parts of prophecy that are still yet unfulfilled. And we're going to conclude today by talking about some practical things that we can do as end time believers. What's so interesting about that passage where Jesus validates Daniel as a prophet is the very last sentence he said, let the reader understand. I think that's important for us because in modern day Christianity, most of us don't study prophecy all that frequently. And those of us who do, it's pretty confusing. It's hard for us to understand. And so we end up living our lives as though this will go on forever as though prophecy will never be fulfilled or maybe Jesus will never return. And so I think it's important for us to understand what the Lord said to us through the prophet Daniel how it plays into our daily lives. Now, from chapter 7 through chapter 12, we have all of these visions that Daniel saw of the end times. But there's this place in Daniel chapter 9 that so much of it is summarized. It says in verse 24, seventy sevens sevens are decreed for your people." And for your holy city to finish transgression to put an end to sin to atone for wickedness to bring everlasting righteousness to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy so he says there's 70 periods of seven and we know that that represents seven years or 490 years of prophecy for everything that the bible prophesies to actually come to pass It goes on to say, No one understand this. From the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. After 62 sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. And then the people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. So let's pause there for a moment because Daniel is seeing into the future things that haven't even happened yet. He was probably confused himself, but now we know these things have actually been fulfilled. So the first thing he says is that there'll be a period of seven sevens, which represents 49 years. And he says there'll be a decree given to rebuild the city of Jerusalem and the temple. And from the time of that decree until the time that it's finished will be 49 years. So now we know that it actually took from the time that they were told to rebuild the city until Nehemiah actually completed it was 49 years. All of this historically would land in Ezra and Nehemiah in our Bibles. Fascinating. We know that Nehemiah rebuilt the walls in just 52 days. But it took many, many years for them to rebuild the rubble, uh, to clear all the places that have been destroyed, and to get the temple rebuilt. And so this prophecy actually was fulfilled, 49 years. And then there's a second period, a period of 62 sevens, which represents 434 years. And so fascinatingly enough, from the time that the walls were finished until the time that Jesus actually died on the cross for our sins was 434 years. Daniel saw it all. And then he goes on to say at the end that there will be another ruler who comes and destroy the temple again. And in AD 70, another ruler came to power, came to Jerusalem, and again destroyed the temple. And to this day, it lays in ruins. He goes on to say the end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm, this is speaking of the Antichrist, he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of that seven, he will put an end to the sacrifice and offering. We'll get to what that means in a minute. And a wing of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation. Now, that's that phrase that Jesus actually quoted in Matthew chapter 24 that we talked about a moment ago. And then it says, until the end that is decreed is poured out on him, speaking about the end of the Antichrist. Now, that's a lot of numbers. So let's just take a minute to review all that we've talked about. Daniel saw 77s. That represents 490 years of prophecy. So 483 of the 490, as we've seen, have already been fulfilled. It took 49 years from the time the decree was given until the time that the temple and the city of Jerusalem were completed. And so that's that first set of seven sevens. And then 434 years later, or 62 sevens later, Jesus gave his life on a cross. So that brings us up to the 483 years that have been fulfilled. So as we study this, it's fascinating that there's seven years of prophecy that hasn't yet been fulfilled. And we know it's going to come to pass because Daniel nailed the first 483 years. And so we believe this missing seven is what we call the tribulation. Really, most of the book of Revelation talks about the tribulation. But if we flip over to Daniel chapter 12, it addresses it as well and gives us even more clues to look for. It says, at that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. Now, Michael is an archangel, one of the three that are mentioned in Scripture. And his job is actually to do war against the enemy, do war against the devil. And it says, there's a time of great distress as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. At that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. This is another passage that really, in our opinion, validates this concept of the church being taken away or caught up or what we call the rapture, because it says that God's people will be delivered. Now, there are some people who would argue that Michael comes to protect us and that we live through the tribulation, but that God protects us. Either way, the Bible is clear that we're going to be fine. I personally believe that there is going to be a rapture. And by the time all this happens, that we'll be delivered or taken to heaven. It says multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. In other words, people who have already died and decayed become dust. They'll rise back to life and they'll stand judgment, some to everlasting life and others to shame and everlasting contempt. And then it begins to address us who are still alive. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So it's basically saying those of us who are alive, if we're living wise lives in these end times, are focused on shining the good news of the gospel to others. That's why I'm so proud of our church because we live as end time Christians knowing that the most important thing is not this life, it's not this world, it's the world to come. And we're obsessed with reaching God's lost kids. In fact, we often say anything short of sin to win God's lost kids. That's our mission because the Bible tells us that if we're wise, then we're going to shine and we're going to lead many people to righteousness. But he says, but you, Daniel, close up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. And then he gives us another clue. He says, many will go here and there to increase knowledge. So it speaks about a time when travel would be convenient and people would travel the world. You know, it's so crazy to think about history because in the 1800s, It took four to six months just to travel the Oregon Trail. In today's world, we can go to the moon in 36 hours. You can get on a plane and travel to anywhere. And the Bible says in that environment, knowledge would increase. What's fascinating is scientists say that knowledge in the world didn't double until about 200 years ago. And then it doubled again 50 years later. And then it doubled again 30 years later. But now the way we're collaborating through the internet They say that knowledge is doubling every 12 months. And so obviously this prophecy is coming to pass. It goes on to say in Daniel chapter 12 and verse eight, I heard what he said, but I didn't understand what he meant. And I know all of us kind of feel that way when we read prophecy. I'm reading these words, but I'm not really sure how it plays a role in my daily life. I'm not really sure what all this means. And so Daniel just simply asked the question, how will all this end, my Lord? Can you tell me? And he said, go now, Daniel, for what I've said is kept secret, sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified and cleansed and refined by these trials, meaning that as we live through these times, there's going to be a purification for those who follow God. And we're certainly seeing that in the world today. It says, but the wicked will continue in their wickedness and none of them will understand. We can't expect the world to completely understand the signs of the times and the things that we're living through, especially biblical prophecy. And it says, only those who are wise will know what it means. So we want to be people of wisdom. We want to know why this prophecy is here and how it plays out in our daily lives. So it says, now speaking of the tribulation, another clue. From the time the daily sacrifice is stopped and the sacrilegious object that causes desecration is set up to be worshiped, there will be 1,290 days. Pause for just a minute, because basically this is talking about the tribulation. So at the beginning of the seven years, there's this peace treaty that begins to take place. The Antichrist will create peace in Jerusalem, the temple will be rebuilt, and sacrifices to God, Old Testament sacrifices will be reinstituted. And if we see that happening, we know the rapture didn't come, and that we are stuck here through the tribulation, because the Bible says that it's going to take place, that peace treaty is what triggers all of this, and then... 1,290 days in, something's going to change. Well, I'll do the math for you. 1,290 days is exactly three and a half years. So halfway through the tribulation, things are seeming great, there's peace. The Antichrist is like this rock star that's brought the one world government. The whole world seems to be getting along and everybody has the mark of the beast. And then all of a sudden, something shifts. At 1,290 days, the sacrifices in the temple are stopped. The statue is built that Jesus prophesies, the abomination that causes desolation, and the Antichrist begins to force the world to worship him. And then it says to Daniel, As for you, go your way until the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise and receive the inheritance set aside for you. And I think that's so prophetic for us to hear, because for so many of us, even as believers, There's a lot of anxiety and tension that comes with the idea that things could be wrapping up or that we could be one of the final generations. And God says, no, 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 don't get full of anxiety. Rest. You're going to be protected. In fact, you're going to flourish and you're going to prosper in these very difficult times. And so we will rise. Whether it's in this life or in the life to come, the Bible says you and I will rise. And then there is an inheritance that God has set for us that there's something beautiful, a blessing that will come if we just live the lives that God has called us to live. But that's what we have to wrestle with. Where's the tension living this life and yet being prepared for the life to come? What does it look like to be wise Christians in these final days? big question that we have to answer. What do we do with all of this? How does any of this have any impact on our everyday lives? Well, all throughout the New Testament, Jesus talked about it. Paul talked about it. And then we see Peter talking about it in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. He says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. In other words, there's no way that we'll be able to expect exactly when he's going to come, because if we knew when a thief would come, we'd be prepared. So it says, The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, here's the question to ask What kind of people ought you to be? What should we do with all of this information as godly people living in a godless culture? Maybe one of the final generations to live in the earth. He says you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. There are three things I want you to jot down, three very specific things he tells us to do. Number one, we have to be different. We have to be different. If we're going to make a difference, we have to actually be different. And the Bible says here that we ought to live holy and godly lives. That word holy doesn't mean perfection or perfect. It just means set apart. It means that you don't look like the world. You don't talk like the world. You don't act like the world. We don't have the same moral compass as the world. We don't spend our weekends the same as the world. Why, because we're living with this view of eternity. We realize that we're living in the end times. First Thessalonians, another prophetic passage from Paul, chapter five, verse 23 says, "'May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying, when Christ's return is near, make sure that every area of your life is as sanctified as it could be. Now look, I know none of us are perfect, but we have to make sure that as culture continues to grow in a direction that's increasingly wicked and godless, that we don't allow them to change us, that we're the ones that change the world, that we stand strong, that we hold the standard, this book is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Its principles are not outdated. It's important for us to base every decision, all of our morality on this book. What does it say about our lives? Does God have the right to be God? And if so, it calls us to be set apart, to be different. We wanna make a difference, let's be different. The second thing that we see here is that we have to be ready. We have to be ready. It says not only should you live holy and godly lives, but you should look forward to the day of God. We should look forward to the fact that He's returning. You and I ought to be ready. I think honestly, it probably changed the way we live daily life. I mentioned a moment ago about weekends. What are we prioritizing? We've wrestled with the concept in this series about the fact that all of us with our lives, we're all worshiping something because we were created to worship. So are you ready? If the Lord came, especially on a Sunday morning, would you be proud of where he found you? Would we be proud of the way that we're living our lives? Are we living as though we are ready? The Bible says in Matthew 24, we referenced that passage earlier, Jesus, verse 42, therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. Nobody knows when, we talked about that, even Jesus doesn't know when. And so because we don't know, we have to always live with the anticipation and the preparation that his return is close. So we have to be different, we have to be ready. But number three, the most important thing is that we should be effective. Remember Daniel said, that we need to shine like stars. If we look back at that passage in 2 Peter chapter 3, it says we should speed its coming. I don't know if you realize this, but you and I, we actually play a role in how quickly Christ will return. Remember the gospel has to be preached to the four corners of the earth, and then the end will come. So that means that how we're living our lives actually impacts not only eternity, but also this life and how long it lasts. If we'll preach the gospel, if we'll leverage what God has given us to make a difference, we can aid in the return of Christ. We can prepare the bride. There's never been a better time to get out of our bubble and make a difference in a hurting world. And I'm telling you, someone else's eternity is waiting on the other side of your obedience. So let's seize the moment. What if we are one of the last generations to ever live on planet Earth? What a significant time to be alive. And God chose us, not Abraham, not David, not Moses or Noah. He chose us. We're the ones that are here in this moment to win a generation, to be a light to the world around us. This is a significant time in human history. And it's why prophecy is important, because we have to understand that it is impacting our daily lives because we shouldn't be living for this life, but living for the life to come. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here today and you're realizing that you've been living for this life and not for the life to come. Maybe you're not ready. Well, you don't have to leave this service that way. If just a moment you'll search your heart, I guarantee the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. If you're far from Him today, I want you to know it's never too late. There are gifts and talents on the inside of you that God wants to leverage to making a difference, an eternal difference in the lives of the people around you. And if you just surrender your life to Him, you'll be back on track. So with nobody moving around, I'm not gonna make you stand or come to the front. I just wanna pray with you right where you're at, if that's you today. Would you do me a favor just to shoot your hand up high and say, Dave, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. I want to be ready. I need to surrender to Him. I've been living for this earth and not for eternity. Come on, put your hand up high just for a moment right now. Great job. I'm so proud of every one of you that recognize that and are ready to make that decision. I'm going to lead you in this very simple prayer, and I want you to pray it quietly in your heart. Just mean it. Just say, Lord Jesus, I repent. Forgive me today for living for anything other than you and eternity. I surrender to you. Help me to be who you made me to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Now, Lord, I pray for our entire church. Thank you for this incredible series and for the prophecy that's found all throughout Scripture, that it has practical application to our daily lives. Not only can we anticipate what's coming in the future, but, God, we can be prepared. We pray that you would help us to speed your return as we engage in our gifts, as we serve and as we give and as we feed people and as we share our faith with others, God, we thank you that we can make a difference. Help us to never lose sight that we are one breath away from eternity. Father, help each and every one of us to be ready today. We're so thankful for all that you've done in our lives and for your blessings on our people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. so much for joining itown church online today we would love to have the chance to meet you and your family in person at one of our campuses or of course you can join us streaming live online this weekend now for more details about times and locations and even some of our streaming options you can go to itownchurch.com i sure hope to see you soon god bless